There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Corks 96 FM. Now we have this big fancy new prison up the road from us here. Cork Prison spent, they spent millions on it. Big and fancy and state of the art and all of that. But there are people sleeping on the floor of their cell. In September, just September 29th, figures released on September 29th by the prison service, 10 prisoners are sleeping on mattresses on the floor of their cells while they are sharing that cell with two other people who have a bed. Now, you might initially think, well, tough. Prison is supposed to be hard. You didn't go there for a holiday. And when you're lying on the floor on your mattress, think about the person whose bag you robbed, or whose house you damaged, or whose car you stole. And maybe that'll be the, that'll, you know, teach you not to do it again. There's more to it than that, though, isn't there? Saoirse Brady is Executive Director of the Irish Penal Reform Trust, and you believe, Saoirse, don't you, that in 2023, nobody should be sleeping on a mattress on a cell floor. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. And yes, that's exactly what we believe in the Irish Penal Reform Trust. And actually, you quoted the figures there from last Friday, and I just had a look this morning. They have today's figures up, and there are even more people um, in the prison today than there were last Friday. So I imagine if they didn't have beds last week for 10 people, then the additional people may also be sleeping on the floor. Now, I don't have that confirmed, but that's, you know, that's what I would imagine. Mm. Um, you know, last Friday they were already full they were at 102% capacity this morning it's 104% so even since yesterday there's an extra five people in there mm -hmm. so it is it's really worrying and I know you said you know about people going to prison it isn't meant to be easy of course not but at the same time when people go to prison prison is the punishment the you know the deprivation of their liberty is the punishment um, and you know, it, the conditions that people live in, nobody should be living in uh, inhuman and degrading uh, conditions like we're hearing about. You know, mm -hmm. we saw a report from the inspector of prisons last week. Um, well, it was a letter, actually, that he, he had written to the Minister for Justice um, concerned about people in Clover Hill who were sleeping um, beside uh, unpartitioned toilets, you know, and, and while... We, Thankfully, we, we're not in a situation where people have to slop out, you know, mm -hmm. use a bucket and slop it out in the morning. But people do still have to use the toilet in front of their cellmates. Um, and that is something that, that is concerning, you know. And when you talked about some of the offences that people might be in for, you know, there are 
other ways to deal with this. Mm. You know, well, the, just, the just, just on that one, Sishri, before I know that you yep. believe that prison should be a last resort, and and I promise you, I will come yes. to I will come to that. But but you know, I I I opened the phone lines here a couple of years ago just for people to talk about the things that were done to them mm-hmm. by the inhabitants at the time, shall we say, of various prisons up and down the country. And I don't think that someone whose handbag is stolen, uh, during which she has her shoulder dislocated for 12 quid, I don't think she cares or her loved ones care about the person who stole her bag having to sleep on a mattress. They don't care because in their mind, well, that's what you did and that's how you pay for it. Yes, and, you know, I think we have to think about victims and all of this as well and and what it means to them. But I suppose the other part of it is I was in Mountjoy last year and I spoke with people who were in for a very long time. And one of them made a really valuable point to me around restorative justice. So restorative justice is where the person who is a victim of a crime sits down, you know, consensually with the person who committed that crime. And you talk it out and you talk about why that person did it and you get to tell them how that made you feel. And, you know, that person who was in for a a long-term sentence said to me, you know, I think that would be much more healing for everybody involved. Um, I'm not saying that they wouldn't still go to prison, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, he felt like they might get more resolution from that. So restorative justice practices are something that we should be exploring more because I think it, it is important. You know, we see that with victim impact statements, people being able to tell their side of the story. And I think that would be really powerful to be able for people to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm not taking away from, from the victims at all in this, but I suppose in the Irish Penal Reform Trust, we don't really concentrate on the crime that was committed. We concentrate on what happens to people after that. And, you know, um, Punishment is one element of why people go to prison, but there are other elements as well. So rehabilitation is meant to be one of those. But what we would say is, if you look at the statistics, the number of people who are in prison on, you know, for less serious offences, um, who, you know, who um, have committed something that they're convicted for, for a sentence of less than 12 months, we would question whether sending them to prison is the right thing to do. You know, we have government policy now that talks about reducing the number of people um, who go to prison on sentences of 12 months or less. And a lot of those might be women as well. We see that particularly women are sentenced for short custodial sentences. But ultimately, what we have to do is think about why people are committing these crimes in the first place. We know that our prisons are full of people who have mental health issues, who have addiction issues. Um, who, you know, may have faced poverty. And that is not an excuse for anything that people have done. But we need to get to the root cause of why this is happening in the first place. And are there better ways? So IPRT, for example, we have the budget coming up next week. We are calling for the government to invest five million more in the probation service so that people could still, they will still be sentenced, but Mm. they could carry out their sentence in the community. That's a benefit to um, that person themselves, the individual, because they would have the supports in place, hopefully, um, to help them serve that sentence in the community to their family, because very often, um, you know, the children and partners of people who are sent to prison, they, you know, they're, they're, they are sentenced as well, in a way. Um, mm. And then, as well as that community, we know that people who serve sentences in the community are much less likely to reoffend. 
you know, because really? when they walk out the prison gates, yes, that, that is what the international evidence shows. Because when a person walks out the gates of prison, say they've been in for three months, and we've heard this from people who've been in, men and women, they walk out the gates, they don't know which way to turn because the supports aren't there for them. Right. So they, you know, where do they go? They go, you know, if they have no other choice, they go to a homeless hostel. They go um, maybe back to stay with friends that, you know, they had been involved with before. They might drop back into addiction. Mm. You know, all of these things. Are they more likely to reoffend? Yes, they are more likely to reoffend okay. if they don't have th- those supports. And the other thing I would say is for the taxpayer, there is a benefit because a prison space costs over 80 grand a year, over 80,000 euro annually because that you know that's the prison space the the staff costs that go along with that mm. all of that community supervision or a probation order um is, is in the region of six thousand so, a year Saoirse, so if i was to put it to you in terms of crimes the kind of crimes yes. for which you believe a jail term should be the last resort like you say three six three months six months eight months mm-hmm. the kind of crimes that attract those sentences what would you not jail people for? Um, I suppose that, that's a tricky one. I'm not a judge, so I'm, you know, but I suppose what we are hearing about are people who are shoplifting, um, you know, who are stealing perhaps because um, they are homeless, they have nowhere to go. There are people in dire poverty or in the, the deepest despairs, but their mental health. And I think we should be looking at putting in place supports over 10 years ago, IPRT did um, public polling on the on on people with addiction and mental health um, issues and said, do you think, and, and this was with members of the public, do you think that um, people with mental health or addiction issues, that prison is the right place for them? And they said no. Overwhelmingly, no. It was like 80, 90% of people said no. And I think we've come a long way in terms of understanding mental health and addiction issues Um even in the last 10 years. So we would love to to do, you know, repeat that polling to see what people think now. Yeah. But I think we really need to think about why people are doing this in the first place. You know, we still have people going to prison for fines and there yeah. was law enacted. Um, you know, we do have a legislation that allows judges to give community um, sanctions, community-based sanctions, so probation or serving community service, which also has a, a financial benefit to the community as well. Um, and they're not using them. And what we, we're hearing is this is happening all across Europe. So there's actually research being done at the moment to try and find out why judges aren't using the community sanctions, because that would help alleviate prison overcrowding. You wouldn't have people sleeping on, on prison floor. And the government actually issued a policy last August um, and they put it in that policy um, that they would consider putting um, prison uh, imprisonment as a last resort in legislation, in law, and that they would look at um, what could be done to ensure that people, that less people or fewer people were sentenced for 12 months or less. And that would really help alleviate the pressure. It would cost less as well. Um, and it would, you know, it would benefit I, I, you know, it would benefit the individual, their family yeah. and the community as a whole. It would be a safer place. So I think we really need to start looking at this using um, our investments in, in a, a much yeah. smarter way. You know, Saoirse, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little torn listening yeah. to you, lastly. And, and I'll yeah. tell you why I'm a little torn, because I, I hear what you say. I hear it very clearly. Mm-hmm. And you're not the first person I've spoken to to make that case 
very clearly and very well. On the other side, I spent 12 to 14 years as a court reporter in the criminal courts. And mm-hmm. I saw the things that people do to one another and do to, vic- to victims. And I'm very torn that the idea of uh, com- community service for someone who's done burglary or... I'll, I'll read you a message here that's come in. That lady on air now, she's making my blood boil. Not because she's a bad person, but because she's not looking at how the victim feels. My sister died of cancer. Before she died, she was broken into. It changed her utterly, just as she should have been living life to the full. She was never the same again. The lady's talking about rehabilitation. Do you know who gets no rehabilitation? Victims. They might get a bit of counselling, but that didn't work out for one reason or another with my sister. They don't get programmes giving them life skills. They don't get breaks to help them get jobs. They get nothing. We need to get real. And that, I can tell you, is not the first comment of its kind that came in since we started to talk, Sister. And I can imagine, and I, you know, I think there should be more supports in place for victims because it is something, and I'm so sorry for that that woman's um, sister, that that is heartbreaking, really. Um, and I completely understand why people feel like that. And I think this is something that we need to talk more about. I think we need to talk about, you know, victims, but also, you know, are there are there better ways to resolve these issues? Like, are there, what, what supports are put in place for victims? But again, I'm not the expert on that in terms of the work that we do. Um, but what, you know, I think, you know, you know, you're talking there, PJ, about like being down in the courts and seeing that side of things. And yeah, I think like... People going out the door, really need seriously, to see, smirking after getting a suspended... When people get a yeah. suspended sentence, they go out the door with big well, smirk we need to talk face. about. We need to talk about sentencing and sentencing needs to be proportionate to the crime committed. And we, you know, there is a sentencing um, guidelines committee put in place now and they should be, you know, they're meant to be putting in place guidelines for judges around sentencing. But sentencing is not just about the punishment element. It has to have all those other elements. And what I would say just on the short sentences and people going in um, for, for, the less serious offences. I know if somebody is the victim of a crime, nothing feels less serious. But at the same time, those people, I think we, we need to look at what's happening to them because if they're in for such a short time that they're not getting, they're not able to engage in education or any of that, then, you know, we really need to think about how we can better mm-hmm. support them to not reoffend again, to understand what they have done and to ensure that they are supported to turn away from what they've done in the past. And they're never going to feel minded. And here's the thing where I'm coming back on track with you. They're never going to feel minded to learn about their mistakes and rectify their mistakes if they're sleeping on the floor. No, and, you know, in fairness, the Irish Prison Service have to take whoever they, is sent to them. If, if you're given a custodial sentence, they have to make room for you. Um, but creating more prison spaces isn't the answer. Um, you know, we need to look at it in the round. We look, need to look at the policy. We need to implement the policy that's there. And we need judges to understand that, you know, community sanctions are a viable alternative to sending people to prison and that they, in the longer run, we can actually, you know, change the dial on this, that we can stop people reoffending, that we can stop so many people going to our prisons in the first place and ultimately have safer communities where people commit less crime. Okay. Saoirse, it's interesting. Thank you very much. Saoirse Brady is the Executive Director of the Irish Penal Reform Trust. Talking absolute sense.
from one side of the argument. I can't disagree with her in many ways. And then in other ways, I find myself disagreeing with her. Uh, I don't know. Uh, your, your thoughts very welcome. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, thank you for that, Saoirse. We'll talk again. Dan was listening to Saoirse from the Penal Reform Trust and would like to respond. I'll speak to you next, Dan. Come back to Dan there in just a tick. He wants to address some of the points that Saoirse was making from the Penal Reform Trust. Uh, just hold on for me there, Dan. But two crime stories uh, that grab you in the news. One is that bizarre one. And every time there's a new development, it gets even stranger. This guy with the passports from dead babies from the 1950s who the guards still have no idea who he is. We now learned in the latest episode in court yesterday that he's been using two names of two babies who died in the 50s and he had passports in both their names, one of them of which was renewed at one point or other. He's before the district court, he's 70 years of age, he speaks with an American accent. The guards haven't the foggiest notion who he actually is. Bizarre story, and it's ongoing. And then there's this one this morning in The Independent. Good police work here. An undertaker is at the centre of a major investigation now uh, amid allegations that he stole cash from dead people when he was preparing their bodies for the funeral or taking their bodies from their homes. This happened in Dublin. And the Irish Independent revealed this story this morning. There was a sting operation where guards planted money, marked notes. They planted it around dead people while your man was collecting them. And afterwards they searched him. They found the marked notes on him. Fascinating story. We'll see how that one plays out. But Dan, now you were listening to Saoirse from the Penal Reform Trust. Her point is... One of the points she makes is that nobody should have to sleep on a floor on a mattress just because they committed a crime. Good morning to you, Dan. What would you want to say? Good morning, KJ. I would have uh, serious concerns about anybody thinking like that based on my experience. We had a very aggravated burglary in our house three years ago this month. Okay. And the perpetrator... Um, who eventually, by the way, was, was caught uh, robbing another house and again uh, abusively, uh, locally, and is, uh, has ended up in, in prison. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't give a damn what he is sleeping on, if he's sleeping at all, because I know for a fact that my wife isn't sleeping and hasn't been for three years. My grandkids, who happened to be in the house that night when the burglary took place, and when he came up to our bedroom and took my wife's phone from our bedside locker and we asleep in the bed, and they will never again stay in our house. My wife, who has had, as a result, some mental issues, will never, ever again stay in the house alone. Mm. And it's... You know, I'm just one of the people who suffered like this and uh, due to um, a non-national uh, coming into my home and, uh, and stealing. But more importantly, and forget what he stole, it's the damage and the trauma that mm-hmm. he's left behind him. 
Mm-hmm. So am I worried about him if he's not sleeping, if he, has, if he even doesn't have a mattress? I absolutely am not. I'm more worried about my wife and my, and my grandkids. And by the way, also, all the other people in a similar position to me yeah. who have been a victim of abuse like this. And this was abuse of the highest order. Saoirse's point, I think, is that she doesn't want to take for a split second from what you went through or your wife went through and are still going through. But her belief is that that person is punished by the deprivation of the liberty, the fact that they have to go and spend time behind bars. But there's a courtier, TJ, that, and, and to Sersia, that I'm in a very, very lucky position today that I didn't wake that, that morning during the robbery. Because I wouldn't be alive. From what the police told me, that these people, they will do anything rather than get, get into prison. And that, if that meant, uh, you know, assaulting me and possibly killing me, then that, that's their modus operandi. Yeah. So I, I have to live with that now for the rest of my life. My wife has to live with it for the rest of our lives. Our grandkids who just won't stay in our home. What age are they, Dad? Uh, they're now uh, 10 and 8. How older were they when it happened? Well, three years ago. Okay. So seven and, and they, five. He, oh, were they there at the time? This guy, this guy went into their rooms as well because his footprints and the leaves that he brought from outside the house were uh, in, in their bedrooms as well. So can you imagine if one of my grandkids had woken up and the, and, and the fright and the trauma, they're already traumatized by this but can you imagine if they had actually seen him in operation mm-hmm. i mean the, the, this uh, look i i am I'm, I'm uh, a very liberal person and i'm i'm all for for charity and everything else but i can tell you when it comes to people going into entering people's homes you know i'm 75 years of age pj right i can do without this yeah i can do without that hassle at, at my age how are you? I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, uh, personally, I'm fine. Mm. But my wife isn't fine. My grandkids aren't fine. And yeah. as a result, that has an impact on me. I was H- has your wife had any help? Um, she did, initially, from a very nice lady uh, from the police, a lady by the name of Sally. Sally Hanlon? I, I, I can't remember. From Support After that. Crime? Support After Crime. That's Sally. She, she was, yeah, she was excellent. Um, but that you know that was, that's not a long term solution either. You know it yeah. certainly helped my wife get over the trauma, the initial trauma and the initial shock of this. But it hasn't had any um, serious improvement on the long term effect. I was away in Bordeaux myself last week for for a week, and I had to have somebody in my house every night, either one of my kids or my wife's sisters or whatever, because she cannot and uh, you know and very justifiably, would not sleep in the house on her own. And before this happened, Dan, was she a woman who's Dan Rowe? Was she very independent like that? Absolutely, 100%. I, I travelled and had to travel for work reasons all over the world, and she was in, in, home, in, in, a home on our, in our home on her own, you know, for weeks and weeks on end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, I can't do that anymore. No, I'm not working anymore either. I'm retired, but you know, if I want to go away for a couple of weeks, as I did last week to to Bordeaux, yeah, um, you know, I have to make 
fairly serious arrangement yeah. to, so that I'm not worried when I'm there, to, when I, you know, to... Um, you, you, you were off, I, I, I presume you were off for the rugby or something, and, like, when you'd, when you'd call her I to... Actually, I was I was off to play golf. Oh, good man. Better good again. Day. Better again. I hope you enjoyed it. Lovely part of the world over there. I love Bordeaux. But, but, but you had to constantly call her, and, when, like, when you'd call her, would she be anxious? Well, no, most certainly, always. But, you know, she, she in fairness, uh, is very conscious that she doesn't want to interfere with me enjoying myself either. And so she's, she's hiding uh, any um, fear that she, that she has, or, you know, because she just doesn't want to upset me. Yeah. And you know the way um, Saoirse and others talk about reformative justice? that if the individual who did this to you and your wife and your grandchildren and invaded your home, I, I cannot possibly imagine what that must feel like anyway, was given an opportunity to sit down and, and talk to you, would you talk to him? I absolutely would. I absolutely would. would. You? I would have no hesitation in talking to him. What would you like to say to him, the, Dan? Keep... The conversation mightn't end uh, yeah. well. Yeah, like what, what, what would you, okay. I would, I, would, I would point out to him the damage that he has done to, to my life, to my wife's life, to my, kid, my grandkids' lives. And, uh, you know, all for the sake of, you know, coming up to our bedroom and we asleep in the bed and he's, and he's stealing a, a mobile phone from my wife's locker. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not I, aggravated. What ha- what would happen if I had woken up? Did anybody wake up? No, luckily, luckily, from what the police told us. Oh, we we were lucky that we didn't wake. How up. did you discover it, Dan? Did you just wake up and find? When when we, when we went down, we, uh, got up uh, that morning at seven thirty, eight o'clock. We um, we saw the the window in the bathroom, downstairs bathroom was um. Uh, was open yeah. and forced in, and that's where he or they, I'm not sure if there was a number of them, entered. Right. And, you know, I, I get over the loss of, because they stole a lot of cash as well. Yeah. But, I get over but this that. the invasion of your most personal space. It's, it's, it's a long term damage. Can I, can I ask a, a question? Does it ever. This is going to sound this is from someone who's never been through this. Um, does it ever feel really like your place again? No, I, 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 I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. That yeah. it does because, um, I, I, as I say, from from the whole experience, I'm over that. Yeah, I'm, but and, your wife um, isn't. But my wife isn't, and my grandkids aren't. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And you'd have zero sympathy for if the individual who robbed you uh, ha- happened to find himself sleeping on a mattress on the floor in Cork Prison. Absolutely. You have zero sympathy. Absolutely, because what I heard from the from the guardy was that he was a member of a criminal. Uh, sorry, he was uh, staying with a criminal family, and the way of paying his his B and B was uh, he went out and stole. And uh, mm. and gave that handed over the the takings to the family, okay. the criminal family he was staying with. I got you. I got you. Listen, my regards, Dan, to your wife and to everybody else, and thank you for 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 sharing your story with us. That is the other side. That is the victim of an aggravated burglary. His wife. He said he's fine. He's 
fine and strong in voice and everything else, but his wife, sure as hell, ain't the same since. Uh, afraid to stay, won't, won't stay in the house on her own. He mentioned uh, Sally Hanlon from Support After Crime Services. We'll chat with Sally. Morning, PJ. This is going back to courts and crime. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. How many convictions do you have to have to get a custodial term? How does that work? Oh, that's a great question. A really great question. I've seen people get jailed for their first conviction or their second conviction. And I've seen people walk out of court on their 101st conviction or their 102nd conviction on a suspended sentence or the probation act. So I have seen it all. There isn't really... It kind of depends on the case. It kind of depends on the crime. And it kind of depends on the individual. And it kind of depends on the judge on the day. Well, thank you for that. Great question. 0818 96 96 96. Staying with what we were talking about when we spoke earlier, and we'll podcast this later, we spoke earlier with Saoirse from the Irish Prison Reform Trust. Saoirse Brady, she's their gaffer, about the fact that there are, that last count at least, there was 10 people, 10 prisoners, sleeping on the floor on mattresses in Cork Prison and the Irish Prison Reform Trust wants something done and done pronto about prison overcrowding and she believes that nobody should ever have to sleep on the floor of a prison cell. That prompted a call from Dan whose wife and himself had their house broken into three years ago and his wife is not still not the same as a result of that experience and he doesn't care where that person sleeps. In fact, he doesn't even care if they sleep at all and you can see where he's coming from. Um, Sally Hanlon from Support After Crime Services uh, joins me. And that's a perfectly understandable view that Dan has, isn't it, Sally? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Perfectly, perfectly uh, reasonable uh, feelings he has because he has suffered 
and his family have suffered crime and over a three-year period. So you could say they've had a three-year sentence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and serving it and continue to serve it. In relation, I think everybody has in, be, is entitled to be treated humanely. Mm. And I know the prisons are overcrowded, but I would love to know, out of those 10 prisoners, how many are repeat offenders? Yeah. And I suppose if you do the crime, you do the time. You take the consequences, because they leave the consequences in their trail to the victims they have committed crimes on. Now, I, I do believe we are not anti-offender, but we are pro-victim. So my voice is for the victim. The more sincere is for the offenders. And I can see there's, there's two sides. And, you know, uh, 10 people in sleeping on floors, not right. But I suppose they have no place to put them. It shows the amount of crime and the yeah. amount of offences. Yeah. And like that, as you said there, not everybody gets prison. There, I don't know what the criteria is that you get a custodial sentence because a lot of times you see them coming out of the court and they're laughing and joking as if they were at a play. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I've seen that. You've seen it. And joking as to know what solicitor they got on free legal aid and how often do they have to offend to be put back on free legal aid or avail of it again. So there's many unanswered questions in the justice system. Mm. Now, Saoirse from the Prison Penal Reform Trust would argue that if you don't treat people properly inside the prison, uh-huh. the chances of them offending again when they get out are higher. That's what she would say the research says. Well, I, I maybe, maybe I'd agree with that to a certain extent, but if they're in prison and it affects their life, and they're upset by the fact they're incarcerated, well then, should they not think when they come out, we will not offend again? Yeah. You know, I mean, we can't take them by the hand, and we can't just listen to every argument that's for crime. We have to look at the people who are bereft and distraught after crime. Like Dan? His, like his wife, and his family. His wife won't stay alone in their house. So she just their houses, that, that's, that's their, their family and their home disrupted yeah. at the hands of, of somebody who made a decision to go into their home in the middle of the night and destroy their home. Yeah. Destroy their lives. So, again, we have to look at reason. But I'd love a good review. And obviously, um, I watched that program. I don't know if you saw it where the GA stars went in to Mount Joy. I saw bits of it, yeah. Now, I like that, because some worked with the programme and certainly benefited from it. Others fell aside or backed out. Um, But it did show that once there was an involvement and they were treated as kind of equals, or, you know, that they, they rode along with it. I did like that program. Yeah, yeah. And it did show that, I suppose, everybody's entitled to respect. Yeah, yeah. But they must also give respect. Yeah, and look, we've I've had enough conversations on this program with, like, you know, James and Timmy from the two Norries and others, Willa White is a former prisoner and an actor and all those kings, comedian uh-huh. and stuff. I've spoken to people who've done time 
and and you know doing time is not what anybody wants to do now, and it's not kind of as simple as you or me saying, well, don't do the crime if you don't want to do the time. Because mm-hmm. if you're raised in a world where that's all that's there for you as a future, you're going to grab it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is no uh, guidance to say that's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in lots of cases. Like, anybody can make a mistake. Yeah. And I do believe in, in people getting a chance, a chance and a second chance, and maybe a third chance. But after that, call it a day. Yeah. You know, because anybody, any of us can make a mistake in our lives. Indeed. And if we do, and we regret it, and we learn from it, well, that's grand. Mm. But not, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to be repeating myself, but we're here beside the courthouse. Yeah. And you are seeing the same people yeah. going in and out, in and out, laughing and joking and all the rest of it. Well, Sally, in my time doing the criminal courts, and you know I did them for a lot of years, yeah. I would get the list before the session would open. Right. And I would nearly could take bets with you as to what names would be on the list oh, no. every single time. So I know what you mean. Yeah. But that, to me, is a mockery of it. You know, because... For, for, there, there's no fear. Yeah. That's the word I'd use, I'd say. No fear of, oh my God, I'm going into court today. What's going to happen? I mean, no later than yesterday, we had three uh, different uh, individuals here who are going into court as victims. Yes. And the fear that's within their bodies and within their minds of going into court. Yeah. And they've done nothing wrong. Yeah. And to me, that's like, when when does it stop? Do the judges have to give harsher? Do they give more probation? Do they do whatever? Do they build a bigger prison? Yeah. I don't know. Well, the IPRT would say that prison should be a last resort. Yes. Well, I heard that just on the radio, yeah. What would you think of that? Well, what do they do in the meantime? How do they compensate or make up to the victim the harm they've caused? That's what I'd like to know. Listening to Dan there talking about his wife, and I think he mentioned your name that you may have you, you may have been familiar with him a number of years ago, and you deal with so many people, Sally, I wouldn't expect you to remember. But you were saying his wife should reach out. There is help there. There is counselling there. Well, if she's still suffering from post-traumatic stress uh, three years on, she does need a deeper counselling. Yeah. Because when, when post-traumatic stress becomes excessive and prolonged, then you're, you're, you do need to resolve that. Yeah. And if Dan is listening, Dan, please contact us again. And we'll do whatever we can. We're not psychotherapists, but we will help you in any way we can, and your wife. That's very kind and generous of you, Sally. Not at all. That's what we're here for. All right. We'll talk again the great Sally Hanlon of Support After Crime Services. Uh, she's doing that a long, long time. 0818-96-96-96 on the phone. It's not the way you're brought up. Some people might have very poor parents, but there's loads of other influences. We've never had more media, more schooling, more intervention. The crime is going up compared to when we had a fraction of these things. Corks 96 FM. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.